This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. The word microliters should not show up anywhere in a personal statement. It would be an honor to attend such an esteemed institution. Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, we do a quick primer on putting together your best application for grad school. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 164. I'm Joshua Hall, and we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Hey there, everyone. Well, it's that time of year again, graduate school application time. Longtime listeners will know that we have done a variety of episodes about many aspects of the application, interview, admissions process, all that throughout the years. And if you're applying now or thinking about applying, I encourage you to certainly check those episodes out. You can easily find them by going to our website, hellophd.com. On the right side, you can scroll down to Topics and click on Applications, uh, which bring all of those up. This is a great chance to generally mention that that's a great place to go if you want to know if we've done episodes on various topics like postdocs, publishing, time management, and more. We've done a lot of episodes over the last six years. I can't even keep track of them anymore. And so this is a great tool Um, And shout out to Dan, who maintains our website, writes our blog posts, and adds these tags. And speaking of Dan, you may have noticed that he's not here today. He is taking a much-needed break with family at the beach this week, so I'm going to be holding things down here at the studio by myself today. I don't really like to drink alone, so I'm going to skip the beer segment this week. And I figured also, since I was doing this episode solo... I should probably stick to a topic that I know a lot about, so I decided to focus today on graduate school admissions. As many of you may know, I served as director of admissions for a large biomedical PhD program for several years and also worked for a long time with post-baccalaureate students as they applied for grad school. So if there's a topic that I know about, it is this one. Anyhow, um, as I mentioned, we have done a lot of episodes in the past about various topics related to grad school admissions, but one of the things that I realized we haven't done is just broken it all down in one place. So what I thought would be interesting and maybe helpful to some of you today is to give my Notes version of applying to graduate school advice. And in, in looking that up too, I realized that it is Cliff's notes with an S and not cliff notes, singular, today I learned. Anyhow, for some of you, this episode is going to be all that you need, but if you do want to go deeper on any specific topics, we have specific episodes on choosing the schools to apply to, personal statements, succeeding in your interviews, and more, and just you can check those out, um, as I mentioned, by searching on our website. But before I get into our topic of the week, I wanted to thank our friends at Promega. In 2021, Promega is celebrating the 30th anniversary of bioluminescence as a tool for life science research. From illuminating protein interactions to giving us brighter tools for imaging, luminescent proteins have brought light to many different areas of research. When you're looking to study complex biological interactions, a bioluminescent reporter assay might be the tool you're looking for. 
Explore resources on bioluminescence and learn how it can be applied to your project. You can visit promega.com slash hellophd to learn more. Also want to say a special thank you to our friends at BioBox. Are you spending months learning to use bioinformatic tools? Leverage the BioBox platform to process, analyze, and explore your genomic data without learning how to code. Accelerate your research and sign up for your 30-day free trial at biobox.io. And with that, let's get on to our topic of the week. All right, well, let's just jump right in to our deep dive on applying to graduate school. Um, I do want to say at the very beginning that my personal experience and knowledge centers around applying to biomedical PhD programs in the United States. Uh, Many of those programs are rotation-based, where you don't apply to work with a specific faculty advisor, uh, but during your first year of graduate school, uh, you do these short laboratory rotations where you work with multiple faculty before ultimately deciding on a thesis advisor. So the advice I'm going to give today is really specifically tailored towards those types of programs. However, I am hopeful that this advice uh, might be broadly applicable in some ways um, for those of you who might be interested in different types of programs. Okay, so before we start uh, talking about how to have a great application, it's really important that you first think about where you want to apply. If you're feeling especially anxious about getting into a program, you might be tempted to just apply to 38 schools, hoping that you're going to get into at least one of them. And I want to say that that is probably not the best course of action for a few reasons. First, applying to grad school can be expensive. Many programs have an application fee that can be as much as $100. And unless you have unlimited cash, you don't want to waste money on programs that you aren't really that interested in. But besides money, your time is also valuable, and each program you apply to is going to take some time to put the application together. Even just filling out those forms with your name, address, etc., take a surprising amount of time to complete. And, And more so, most programs have their own unique personal statement prompts or word limits. And as we're going to talk about in a minute, to have the best personal statement possible, you're going to want to not just be generic, and you're going to want to tailor each personal statement to each specific program, and that can take a lot of time. And lastly, and and this is probably the most important part, the reason you're applying to grad school in the first place is so you can learn to be a scientist and explore topics that are interesting to you and hopefully set you up for a career that you think you'll be excited to do. That being said, you want to be excited to go to the program that you eventually get into. So, I'd say my main advice for why you shouldn't apply to 38 different schools is that there likely aren't 38 different programs that are truly a great fit for you and your interests and your goals. And you should make sure you devote plenty of time before you apply to thinking about what you want to get out of graduate school and how it can help you meet your goals, and then what are the specific programs that match up with your research and career interests. If you really want to do research on neurodegenerative disease, for example, you don't want to go to a program that doesn't have any labs that are actually studying those topics. And ideally, you'll choose programs to apply to where there are multiple faculty who are doing work you're interested in, not just one. I've certainly seen students choose a program because of one faculty member that they really wanted to work with. 
But then they arrive, and it turns out that PI isn't taking students that year. Or even worse, and I've actually seen this happen, uh, that one PI that the student really wanted to work with moved to a different university between the time of interviews in the winter and in the fall when the student actually started. And you don't want that to happen to you. And besides all those logistical issues, uh, that one person could end up being a jerk. So you want to have multiple options that would be satisfying for you. All right, so you've decided where you want to apply. So now let's talk about the various application components. I want to start with the CV, which is like your academic resume. And I don't want to spend time going into detail on the differences between a CV and a resume, but a CV is not necessarily the place to go into details on specific skills you have and techniques you know. But for the purpose of an application, I like to think of it as the table of contents for your application. And this is often the first thing that a reviewer is going to read. And while we're on the topic of reviewers for science PhD programs, the most likely people to be reading and reviewing your application are faculty. They're scientists. And they're looking for data in your application that you have the right background and experiences that demonstrate uh, you have an aptitude and interest for doing research. And, and likely, you're going to continue being successful in research in the future in the same way that you've provided evidence that you have pursued and been successful in research in the past. So that's the type of data that you want to make sure you provide and make clear in your application. Sections of your CV should be organized in reverse chronological order. So the current and newest experiences are going to go at the top on down to the oldest experiences. And you want to list your education first. Where did you go to school? What degrees are you working on? Or what degrees do you already have? Then, importantly, you want to list your relevant research experiences next. If you're in a lab now, you want that at the top. Again, you don't need lots of detail about every type of experiment you've learned how to do there. Just list the dates that you worked in that lab, the name of the institution, and I like to also list the research advisor's name and maybe a sentence about your project. You know, if you did an honors thesis or something like that, you could put the title. You might think of it as what you would write on your title slide if you were giving a talk about your research. Um, the other reason I like to just include the name of the advisor is, as we're going to talk about later on, that helps the reviewer stay organized in their mind that hopefully they're going to see a reference letter from that individual later on in the application to talk a little more about your experience in that lab from the advisor's point of view. And you want to just keep doing this listing um, all your research experiences from newest to oldest. After that, if you've had any publications, even if you're a seventh author listed, I'd definitely include those. Having your name on a paper definitely looks good, but it isn't a requirement necessarily at this stage of the game. After all, you aren't even in grad school yet, so there's no expectation you're going to have a bunch of papers. But if you do happen to have your name on a manuscript, please list it. Um, we'll get to this later, but if you likely will end up on a paper down the road in your current lab, but it not until after the application period is over, um, talk to your advisor about including that in the letter, that the work that you're doing is going to uh, be leading to authorship on a paper. After papers, you can list presentations that you've done. If you were the presenter, put your name first. Um, but for both presentations and papers, I like to put um, my name in bold if there are multiple authors, because it just makes it easier for reviewers to spot your name and your contribution um, in that author list. 
If you had any other academic experiences, organizational affiliations, teaching experiences, etc., by all means list them, but these go farther on down and are much less important than your educational and research experience history. And by the way, if you've had any jobs that don't really relate to science, you can probably leave those off. Uh, You're not really going to get a boost from working at Chipotle the summer after your sophomore year. Um, However, if you did work lots of hours to support yourself through school, you might consider mentioning that in your personal statement. All right, let's talk about the personal statement because it's one of the application components that you have the most control over and most certainly the part that will require the most time and effort to do as well. The rest of your application is all data, facts and figures. Your CV, you're just listing what you did. Your transcript is what it is. Um, And your reference letters are, for the most part, out of your control. But the personal statement is your chance to provide some context to the rest of your application. I like to think of it like this. The other components of your application draw the outline, and the personal statement colors it in. So I'm going to talk about a few things that are good to put in your statement. But right off the bat, it's important to note that the most important part of your personal statement is your research description. Different schools might request this in slightly different ways, but all of them will likely want you to describe in your words the research you did, what your contribution was, and what you learned. Now, this is not a method section. And my opinion is that the word microliters should not show up anywhere in a personal statement. But instead, concisely talk about the big picture of your lab as a whole and how your project fits into that big picture. And it's good to then share what your main question, your main research question or hypothesis was for your project, and then briefly what you discovered um, through your work on that project. Again, this is not a full research paper, so you want to try to thread that needle of giving enough information that it's understandable, but not boring the reader with excruciating details. And, and this can be hard to do um, or hard to know if you're doing well. So my best advice here is make sure you aren't the only one who's reading your personal statement. Your current PI or some former trusted advisor who's a great mentor to you might be a good person to read over it. But I'd also get someone who is generally a knowledgeable science person from outside your lab to read it too. Um, maybe another trusted professor, an advisor, a program director, a postdoc in your lab, whatever. The main thing is do get feedback from several knowledgeable people, uh, maybe not your crazy cousin, uh, but other folks who can give you some good feedback on your statement and especially that research statement. Another thing I like to see is how each research experience shaped your current interests and your next step. Maybe your past or current research is what motivated you to want to go to grad school in the first place. Um, So say that. It should be apparent to someone reviewing your application after after reading your personal statement why you were motivated to apply to that program. So beyond that, besides the research part of your statement, um, your personal statement is a great place to talk about anything else that's interesting about you or your path, your academic path specifically. It can be a hard road going through college. Maybe you worked for a while after college uh, before applying to grad school. Um, What challenges did you face? Maybe you did have to work full-time to support yourself during undergrad. 
Maybe you were the first in your family to go to college. Maybe you were a scholarship athlete and had to balance lab classes and a busy training and travel schedule. These are all really useful and interesting to admissions committees who want to know about your research experience, but also who you are as a person. Have you overcome challenges? Are you resilient? Your research is hard and frustrating much of the time, which is why we have a podcast. But do you know what you're getting into? And you won't get frustrated and quit at the first sign of challenge. Any evidence of this can be great for an admissions committee um, to learn about you. Now, you certainly don't have to manufacture a personal or academic struggle, but feel free to be open about these if you can tie it in to how these experiences have made you into a better researcher and a better candidate for graduate school. At the end of the day, whatever you write, do be honest and sincere about your experiences and your interests. But but lastly, if you did have some bumps in the road academically, that is completely okay. Maybe you got a D in organic chemistry. We've been there. And you would be surprised to know that many faculty have been there too. It's going to be on your transcript and the faculty reviewing your application are going to see it, but maybe there's a reason you got a D. Maybe you were dealing with some personal issues or still figuring out time management. That's okay. And you can mention that in your statement to provide some context about what you learned from the experience. Don't dwell on the negative parts of your application, but your statement is a great place to briefly address them. The last thing I want to say about personal statements is do tailor them to each school you're applying to. You probably will have a general default letter with your experiences um, that we talked about already, but it can be useful to have a final paragraph where you discuss why you're applying to that specific school. And this is not necessarily the place to fall all over yourself praising the school with statements like, it would be an honor to attend such an esteemed institution. Statements like that don't really help you. Uh, we know our school's good. And again, we're not looking for flattery here, just a sincere interest in the research that we're doing and that our program is a good fit for you and what you want to do. Most biomedical programs do lab rotations, so listing specific faculty you would possibly want to work with can be helpful for us to understand your research interests a little bit better. And this also shows that you've done your homework, which, by the way, you should be doing your homework on schools you apply to before you apply. You're not committing to working with these faculty, but it does help the admissions committee see why you're interested, and hopefully these faculty of interest and reasons you want to attend this specific program will make sense based on the rest of the personal statement and experiences that you've already talked about. All right, so I mentioned the transcript, so let's talk briefly about that. So this is going to be an important component of your application, but a lot of times I find that applicants think this part of their application is more important than it may actually be. Um, the transcript, while important, is not the most important. I know in the PhD program that I was part of, the average GPA was somewhere around 3.5 or so, which is pretty good. However, this was the average. Sure, there were students who came in each year with a 4.0, but there were also students who came in with GPAs under 3 every year. And I can tell you, if you have a perfect 4.0 GPA but no research experience, you likely aren't getting into research-based science PhD programs. It's really those experiences that are the most important for having a really strong application. That's one thing I think is great about science PhD admissions is that your experience really does count more than your grades. Um, however, that's not to say your grades are completely unimportant. If you have great grades and lots of relevant science classes, cool, you are all set with regard to your transcript. If you don't, 
we talked about possibly addressing that briefly in your statement, preferably toward the end, because you still want the research part of your statement to be the main part. The other piece that is important and often overlooked is that it's not just the grades that admissions committees are looking at on your transcript, but also what classes did you take? Did you actually take a decent number of relevant courses for the program you're applying to? For example, if you're applying to a biomedical PhD program, did you take upper level biology classes, molecular biology? Did you take chemistry classes? If you didn't, committees might see that as a red flag and you might have to emphasize how you learned that material um, and those topics in your research experience uh, rather than in coursework. All right, the last part of the application that I want to talk about are the reference letters. And I'm talking about reference letters last, but not because I don't think they are important. I could probably argue that they are the most important part of your application. The most important thing that I can say about reference letters is that ideally they need to come from the faculty advisors who led the labs that you worked in. Letters need to come from the PI to have the most impact. And now in most cases, if you worked in a lab at a college or university, your faculty mentor will not be surprised that you want a letter. That's part of the job. What you want to avoid is that you list on your CV that you spent two years working in a lab during undergrad. You describe that research experience in your personal statement, but then there's no letter from that PI. That is going to be interpreted as a red flag by the admissions committees. Sometimes I hear from students, especially if maybe you did a summer program or you only spent a couple months in the lab, that maybe you didn't interact with the PI a whole lot, but you were mentored closely by another senior person in the lab, maybe a postdoc. It's totally okay to reach out to that postdoc to take the lead on writing your letter. However, you are going to want the PI to at least co-sign that letter. I will say that if you reached out to a PI under that scenario, what would most likely happen anyway is that the PI would talk to the postdoc about writing the first draft of the letter since they have more experience working with you in the first place. Most programs are going to request three letters, and if you have three different research experiences, then boom, you're set. Those three PIs should be your three letters. However, maybe you have less than three, and in that case, the PI letter is the most important but then you can go down the line and think about, well, who else might be the best person to talk about your potential as a researcher? And that's the important part. Maybe it's another faculty member at your institution that you collaborated with or you talk to often about your project. Um, if you're part of a program that provided research experiences as part of that program, the program director might have a good perspective and insight to write you a letter. Sometimes students will get letters from a professor who taught them in a class. And I'll tell you that you don't get much bang for the buck from these letters. They don't carry a lot of weight because, again, they don't give the reviewers much insight into your research potential. So if you have to ask an instructor of a class, at least make sure it was a class where you either did some research-type activities or it was a class where you were reading and analyzing research papers, which is a little more relevant to what you'll be doing in grad school um, rather than just your organic chemistry professor in a lecture of 400 other students. Okay, wow, that was a lot of information. Um, Again, what I tried to do was just provide an all-in-one place, a primer on applying to grad school. As I said, my experience and focus 
is on biomedical PhD programs, which typically do these lab rotations, versus programs where you apply to work with a specific faculty member. But hopefully some of this advice will be applicable to people interested in many types of programs. As I mentioned, we've done full episodes on many different aspects of applying to grad school that I just touched on briefly here, Um, like personal statements, for example. We have a whole episode on that. Um, Do check out our website, hellophd.com. And again, under topics, you can click on the word applications to easily find those episodes if you want to learn more or go deeper on any of these subjects. I didn't cover the interview process today, which is the next step after successfully applying for many programs, Um, but we also have some episodes on that as well, both interviewing in person, but also virtual interviews, which have become the norm in the world of COVID. I know students applying now, this fall uh, in 2021, are probably having questions about whether interviews will be virtual again this year or back in person. I can say that the rumblings that I'm hearing, at least from biomedical programs in the United States, is that initial interviews will mostly be virtual again this year. However, programs are all exploring ways to have more formal ways for applicants who get into the program to come visit in person, and in some cases funding those visits in the spring before you have to make a final decision. Anyhow, I hope this helps, and best of luck to those of you who are applying this year. If you end up getting into grad school and starting that journey, well, you definitely know that Dan and I are here to help, so stick with us. Speaking of Dan, I am looking forward to having him back next time. Dan, if you're out there listening, I hope you are enjoying the beach while I'm here doing all the work. All right, everyone. If you have a question or topic idea you'd like for us to talk about on the show, we would love to hear it. You can email us podcast at hellophd.com. Send us a tweet at hellophd. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform. We love your feedback and it helps new listeners find the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Simply go to our website, hellophd.com. Click the become a patron button or you can visit patreon.com slash hellophd. We would appreciate the beer money, and thanks so much to the ongoing support from all of our patrons. Well, since I'm here all alone in the studio, I'm not going to have an elaborate conversation with myself to get us out of this show, so I'm just going to say goodbye, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.